Hey, Don. Hello, Zach. This week, there was an interesting essay in the Los Angeles Times by somebody who sort of kind of asked the question, does it really matter if our kids refuse to pick up a book? This, of course, is a question that I think educators and a lot of parents across the nation are frowning upon. But it was a very interesting essay with lots of interesting arguments that kind of just said, maybe it's not a big deal if kids don't like to read. This person just kind of started out with a little anecdote about their time and reading with their niece. And here's the best paragraph I read. Our bedtimes were filled with stories. Guess how much I love you. The day the crayons quit. Ramona Quimby, age eight. Madeline. Now she is 11 and more interested in TikTok than in 12 little girls in two straight lines who lived in a house that was covered in vines. And while she certainly can read, she really doesn't like to. As someone who comes from a family of educators and writers, this is painful for me. To my regret, reading has become one of our most reliable points of friction. The other two, sugar consumption and screen time. Just read for 20 minutes a day, I plead. I don't want to, she replies. You have to, I say. Or what, she asks. What do I want to say is, or you will never make it in school. You will never go to college. You will work a minimum wage job your whole life. What I actually say, or I will take your iPad away. Well, then, she replies, how about if I read on my iPad? Touche. And Don, the article just kind of goes on to talk about someone who's battled with a teen about reading, wanting them to read more. The teen, of course, says no. What did you think about the article? It's given me solace. It's given me a tremendous amount of comfort in something I've been struggling with as a parent for a long time. I am married to a reading specialist. I love to read. My wife enjoys reading. We read to our kids as they were from their born until they would read on their own. We we still read books to them in the car and we did everything we can. And our kids really have exceptionally limited desire to read. They have no interest in picking up a book. They're not interested in reading magazines or articles. They just aren't interested. And this is not just my kids. It's the uh, kids in my school. But I'm more concerned with my children. And it upset me for so long. And like the people in the article, we've tried mandatory reading, especially during the pandemic, during which they just ask how much time is left every five minutes. It's clear that they don't love reading. And this article gave me a little bit of hope that that's not all bad, that it's just different and that times are different and that I don't need to feel awful that my kids don't love to read. You know, it's one of those things where you read this and you say, hey, there's somebody who's going through the same challenges that I'm going through. Maybe I can hold this up to the world and say, look, reading's not important. And that was the part that I just sort of couldn't get my head around. I couldn't decide if this person was just sort of like maybe just exhausted fighting or trying to fight the good fight. And at the same time, maybe they're onto something. It was interesting because they talked to an expert in the article and the expert was just like, well, look, like playing video games is reading and watching Hamilton with closed captions on is reading. Using a recipe to cook something is reading. They seem to try to want to point out all of the, I guess you could say accidental or incidental moments in our life where you have to read something in order to move on. And they seem to want to count that as reading time. I just wonder if my only issue is, I'm not sure if it's really sustained reading. And is that possibly a problem? Well, and that's what the take is the article in large is that sustained reading is not that important. And what's important is being able to read to 
do the things that you just mentioned and that the ability to do so, not the endurance to really stick into a book and really work your way through war and peace. And that that is just not something that these kids want to do. And I totally get it. And the main reason is the other opportunities that they have. When I was a kid, like the, if, especially if it's winter and it's cold and it's dark at five o'clock in Michigan, and we had one TV that was 19 inches and had a handle on it. And if my dad was watching the news or something I wasn't interested in, what else do I have to do besides fight with my brother and read? I'd end up reading quite often. And I'd lay there and read at night because there's nothing else to do. And I've been reading to fall asleep since I was probably nine, 10. It's, it's something that I've always found interest in. It's calming. It's peaceful. It doesn't mean that these kids have to have the same experience we have. Lord knows the world has changed tremendously in the last 30 years. And our habits that we ingrained in our lives were ingrained in an entirely different world than these kids live in. And it's made me accept the idea that, look, they can get on their phones. They can YouTube. They can YouTube from the five different locations or any location, really, because they could do it on their phone and find out interesting things about the video games they play or whatever they're engaged in. They look at new YouTube stuff about how to build things and how to make up things. And it's, they don't need to go to the library to get a book to do all that. They can just instantly find it and their curiosity can be quickly satisfied by what they find. And they look online for how to do these things. It's not reading like we were. And part of it is it's quicker and there's so many more sources. You make some really good points. I mean, I think in some ways we've always just thought of as reading as just a fundamental thing that we do in society and that it's really important for kids to do it. You know, I was just sort of thinking about how you go to schools nowadays, especially in the elementary level, reading is the most important thing we do. There's that bar. We got to get kids reading by, by fourth grade. Elementary teachers are pushing tons of time into making sure their students can read. You read about schools across the nation that have cut their time for specials classes or for even recess to make sure kids are reading even more. And I guess my question is, did we become worse readers in our country over the last 20 years? Is it just because we're measuring it that we finally found out that we were never good at reading? But it seems like reading in a lot of ways has taken on a bigger importance in what we do in school. But I also, I guess, wonder, is that because we're just not practicing at home at all anymore? Are, are people just like, not like you when you were a kid where they're not reading? And so therefore, we have to keep reinforcing it at school because we're, we're losing the strength and stuff like that. Well, I think the ability to read has become distinct from joy, finding joy in reading or reading for entertainment. And the ability to read is still of critical importance. And all these kids need to have the ability to, be, to read. And we've realized that those that don't struggle tremendously in life, and we can measure reading pretty accurately at the elementary level, they have to get kids to read because that's how they're successful in school. By the way, I would say that I think school's built on the ideas that were formed 30, 40, 80 years ago, where reading is the critical way to acquire information. Maybe less so now. I don't get a lot of good time from my students when I ask them to read something. I usually read it to them and it works a lot better. But I think there's a distinction here between finding joy and finding entertainment in reading and just being the ability to read. The ability to read is still critically important, but well, these kids aren't finding joy or entertainment in reading. They're finding those two things from somewhere else. And that's a really good point that you're making, right? We seem to want to make people enjoy reading or, or, or see that there can be a lot of joy found from reading. 
And that is very different than just being able to be a good technical reader, right? Just somebody who can read for the basic facts and then act upon whatever it is they're reading. I think a lot about, you know, middle school, high school sort of ELA classes, and a lot of them have a lot of focus on things like, I guess, just sort of understanding the elements of a novel, right? Story arc or symbolism or being able to read between the lines or uh, characters or being able to identify a theme. While all of that is stuff that you can definitely do, and I think that there is a skill in being able to kind of read implicitly, if you know what I'm saying, I don't know. Is that a skill that's that's needed in our economy today? Is that just stuff that we have always felt is important and therefore it's still there, but it's not necessarily just technical reading, I guess, where can you read this and can you understand what it's saying so that you can then act upon it? The kids that are in the English classes that I hear about, they're not interested in reading the novel that they're supposed to read. However, they are interested in going to Spark Notes and reading a summary of it and reading about how they can solve their school problem that they have to get done, which is pass this test, get this paper done. So again, they can read. They just don't want to spend hours and hours reading a book. And so that kind of comes back to the distinction I'm making. They're capable of reading. They're capable of doing the work and finding the information they need to and, and taking it in. They just don't want to spend hours with a book because like the article said, they think a book is boring. Book's not interesting. They're used to quick stimulation and they have it everywhere from TikTok to YouTube to looking up Wikipedia type stuff to anything. They have so many resources and they find this just too slow. And maybe that's just a generational divide. And we and I am coming to accept it, to realize that it's just they don't take in information the way I do. I do wonder, though, if there is something about the more you read the stronger and better you are at it and at understanding what things mean. I once uh, got a traffic ticket, uh, maybe five, 10 years ago now. And I'll always remember being given the ticket by the police officer and having to read it, geez, three, four, five times to actually understand what it was I was supposed to do in order to kind of pay my fine and be able to like get past the traffic ticket, if you know what I'm saying. I felt like the document was written in a really complex way. And I was like, man, like, I'd like to think I'm a fairly literate person who can read something. All it made me think about, though, was other people that maybe don't read as much as I do and maybe also struggle to read this thing or people that maybe can't even comprehend it. And therefore, it made me wonder, maybe we need to do more reading in school. And maybe that's the problem is we're writing things in ways that half of our society can't even understand. Well, I bet if you went to the website, you'd be able to navigate and find how to pay this ticket, what it means, a little video perhaps explaining the process. And the kids that are 16 or 18 will be able to find that information really quickly and figure it out. It's just a different way of solving the problem. And if they can solve the problem, does it really matter if they know how to read? I can't believe I'm making this argument, but that they're solving this. And at the same time, if you're really, really good at reading and devouring long form fiction on sci-fi or something you like that makes you even better at devouring long long-term sci-fi reads they don't need that skill that's not skill they're interested in having you make a good point a lot of times now you do go to websites and there is a video that shows you how to do it which i think that's appropriate given that more and more people want to watch a video to learn how to do it and i think there's something about showing people the exact documents that they're looking at and highlighting things for them and so definitely no problem because it, it's funny it made me wonder about 
you know, there's that whole industry of internet for dummies or gymnastics for idiots, or, you know, those just those books that will teach you about any topic. And they usually have the word idiot or dummy in them. And they seem like they're really popular books. It seems like they've been written in a very easy way to read and breaking down the information in a way that people can follow and understand makes me wonder then, do you think the problem is, is that we're either bad readers or are we just bad teachers and writers of information? And that's why nobody wants to read is it's just too hard. I well, I wonder what has happened to the sales of those books because the internet's largely took its taken its place. This week, I'll be putting new shocks on my old piece of junk car. I looked at YouTube. There are books that you can get at an auto parts store or order online. They'll tell you step-by-step how to do it. But on YouTube, I can watch a video of somebody doing it. And I can fast forward through the part where they take off the wheels because I already know how to take off wheels and just get to the nitty gritty and rewind and go forward and actually see as well as hear what they're doing and seeing. I I can't believe that there's many things out there that you need a book for to tell you what to do or how to do something when you can watch videos. I've watched dozens as I did a major construction project, and it's a lot more helpful to see it rather than just look at it. And even though I had a book that I used a lot, it was only helpful in the context of having the videos on YouTube to complement that. And so it is critical to learn to, to know to read. I just don't think most of these kids need to read more than 30 seconds or a minute at a time to get by because that's not what their life demands. The only thing that's demanding that they read for hours and hours at a time is school. And perhaps school is designed for 30, 50, 80 years ago. That's true. Or is school what is the last uh, bastion of holding up some sort of form of literacy in our nation if that's the only place where kids are reading? But you make a great point about YouTube and, and its visual nature. I mean, I mean, geez, I installed a garbage disposal, I think, under my sink. And I remember the best part was I could keep looking through the YouTube videos until I found the one that had the exact model I did <laughs> so that I could just, you know, watch it. And it was much easier than trying to just read instructions and stuff like that. Although it makes me wonder... You know, in our culture, when we read about like our founding fathers in America and you read about other, you know, important people in history, there's usually the very same common theme of all of these people were readers and they had read every book they could ever get their hands on. And there's whole myths and legends about how much, you know, Abraham Lincoln was reading and returning books to people way across the prairie and all of that. I think in some ways, do you think we're just stuck on the myth of the great person has to be a reader. And therefore, in some ways, if you're not a reader, then maybe we're discounting you as to to not being able to be a great person one day. But then I guess, as you're saying, hey, things change. Do you think someday, 50 years from now, when we talk about the next generation of great people, we say that person just watched YouTube all day long. They were a great YouTube watcher. <laughs> they, they watched so much TikTok and they would just devour YouTube videos on how to knit and how to write in Sanskrit and how to, you know, fix a toilet and how to make paper mache dolls. And wow, nobody could just crank through the YouTube things. And maybe people say, yeah, I can't do that. I can't watch that much YouTube. To address you earlier, the uh, people in the past hundred years ago or a grip more, they reading was a tremendous luxury. Vast majority of people didn't know how to read. So Lincoln's really the exception in that he was a low income kid that knew how to read and had access to all these books. 
But for the most part, uh, this reading is a tremendous sign of wealth. And to have the time to read and not be working at 12, 14 years old was also a sign of wealth. And so those people were really learned. That was, that was the rarity. That was the exception to the rule. Now, I, I think being learned and, and wise and understanding thing, things is very important too. However, I think more valuable would not be knowing the fine points of Socrates or Huck Finn so much as it would be knowing what's happening on Instagram, the context of what is happening in ETFs versus, uh, you know, the Bitcoin, crypto, all these things you could probably learn on Instagram or Twitter or maybe even TikTok. I don't do TikTok, but just being wise in what's going on around the world in all these different areas and facets and having the basic skills being able to read, being able to do math, being able to solve problems. These are things that are valuable in a world that's very different from the one where there's nothing much to do at Mount Vernon except for read a whole lot of books if you're George Washington. That's true. I was always amazed at how tiny the font was back in those days. You've got to assume people's eyes were going early trying to read by candlelight. Uh, they always printed small, that's for sure. Well, one of the things then you, know, you made me sort of think about is the idea of wealth and the idea that has reading kind of always been a upper middle to upper class activity. One of my favorite books of all time, Amusing Ourselves to Death, the author kind of begins the book trying to say that America during its colonial era was always a very literate culture. It points back to like how popular newspapers were and, and book orders were and, you know, things like how, how much Thomas Paine's uh, common sense was passed around and read. And the idea just that like people read in America, I guess maybe in some ways you bring up the point of like, are we sure that's not just a myth? Maybe most people really weren't reading at all because either they didn't have the time, they couldn't afford the books. But at the same time, like, isn't reading sort of looked at now as, oh, they're a reader, like they're just another egghead, like they're just an elite. In some ways, it's almost like a divide between the readers and the non-readers in our society. And I wonder if that's a problem. Like ultimately, there are lots of complex issues in the world, especially when you think about like foreign policy and how are you going to, you know, handle the Ukraine as Russia is lining up lots of troops. And do we even understand the Ukraine? And reading gives you the opportunity to understand other people's perspective than a summary, especially when you read lots of it, especially when you read in their language. I guess like, don't we need somebody in our society who's going to be able to sustain a long hours and hours of reading that they can make, break a lot of this stuff down. They can think deeply about foreign policy or the future. And if we're all just going to YouTube videos for 30 second summaries, I just wonder how much are we going to lose in all of this? Well, when you talk about common sense, I'm sure that was read to people. Like somebody would go to the bar and read that to all the people at the pub or the people in their household or their extended family. And reading is not necessarily an upper class thing. I mean, my grandmother was a very poor kid growing up and eventually rose up to be middle class, but she read the newspaper every day, the Philadelphia Inquirer, and she understand everything that was happening around Philadelphia. Then she'd go watch her soap operas. But that was what you did in the morning, because what else are you going to do in the morning after you've made breakfast and clean it up? You read that and then you go to the Acme every day. So it was what she did. But also, the reading that you're talking about is the idea that there's people just really going into this tremendous depth on various issues. And I think the depth is not there as much as just this broad swath of, I understand it because I've read these Instagram posts. I see what's happening day to day. 
I'm keeping up on what Joe Manchin is deciding or not deciding every day because that impacts democratic policy issues and whether or not we're going to get this big bill passed. And so I think people are just more constantly looking at small bits of information than spending extended time on a big bit of information. And although I really like your idea of uh, being a pompous person that reads long form journalism, and I love being that person, I really do, then it is a dying art. And there's fewer of us looking at that type of stuff and having the time to really dive in. Even very literate people who we know well, who are very intelligent, they don't dive into long articles that you and I do. We can pass them on to them, but they rarely read them because they're focused on today. What is happening here in this horse race, this basketball game, this betting forum? They're not really interested in that long form very often. Would you agree, though, that we still need to make sure we have somebody who is doing this long reading, who's doing some big thinking for just kind of organizing our society as a whole or, or thinking big? I just... I mean, and I'm not saying that tomorrow we're losing everybody who wants to read long, but wouldn't you say it's still some sort of a skill that we should be promoting out there? Oh, I 100% should promote it. It's just people aren't taking up on it. I ask my high school kids all the time, like, anybody read? And they're like, no, I haven't read a book in years. Uh, last book I read was in middle school. It was a separate piece or something like that. Like, they don't <laughs> read. They avoid it like the plague, and they look for substitutes. Um, co I'm a, we're assigned to read a book as a district. I'm almost done. Most of my coworkers that are reading it are listening to it on Audible. I mean, it's just people aren't interested in sitting down and looking at the words and really reading. I'm one of the few, and you and I have a podcast together where we both enjoy reading. And other than that, I don't think people are that enthused. And I'm not sure that there's a tremendous cost here. And that's the whole point is that people are figuring out that other ways to be entertained. I guess there's kind of an anti-intellectual sort of bent to this. I've had students make fun of other students because they read or ugh, Mr. Bale, like, well, yeah, like they like reading and they, you know, kind of say things about that when we're trying to do an assignment or, you know, trying to differentiate themselves or they make fun of the fact that other kids read or they celebrate the fact that they don't read or that why would I read this, right? Okay, so let's say we have some people who are still into reading and, and reading the long documents, sustaining time. Do they just kind of get further removed for society? They get belittled almost because they read. They're seen as pretentious maybe. And once again, you know, we already have sort of an anti- intellectual rise in our society or, or sort of anti-science movement where nobody wants to listen to people that have spent their whole life studying different issues and stuff like that. Is it possible we could just be further widening that gap? Yes, yes, and yes. But yet society loves intellectual people. We are more in, enthused with smart people than ever before. Everybody's very interested in your boy, Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos. And, um, who is that guy that knows everything about the stars? Oh, what's his name? Anyway, the uh, <laughs> he probably he's reading the book right now, I bet he is. But we're very interested in those people. We're just not interested in doing it ourselves. So everybody wants to know the intellectual, wants to know the smart person. Before Bill Gates was, it turns out, a bad person. Everybody wanted to watch this show about inside Bill Gates brain. We want to know these fascinating, intelligent people. We just don't want to read it. The Queen's Gambit was really popular. And in that show, the main actress, the character is reading constantly about chess and how chess works and the chess moves. Everybody's interested in her, 
but they're not interested in actually reading about chess or fascinated with intellectuals. People, what I'm saying is people just don't want to do the reading themselves. They're more interested in knowing things than reading things. And if I can acquire the knowledge without actually reading, then that's for the best. Well, I mean, in ancient societies, you had scribes learning to read and write, maybe took 10 years to learn cuneiform or hieroglyphics. And therefore, your scribes would have been the one that wrote things down and then repeated it back to people. So maybe we're kind of uh, hearkening back to, you know, 3000 years ago. Yeah, 3000 years ago. And but people want to be around these people. Neil deGrasse Tyson. That's what I was trying to think of. Everybody's interested in what he has to say about the stars and the solar system. But people don't want to read about the stars and the solar system. And he seems to accept it because he's reveling in this role of just explaining things to people in videos that is kind of interesting but yet doesn't have has a lower access point and i think everything has a lower access point everybody can understand everything they can find some sort of medium tv show movie uh video that explains to them things they just don't want to get in the weeds of trying to really read it fair enough i i was uh, yesterday i happened to read a history magazine article about the history of the fork and I found it fascinating that, you know, the Romans kind of started using two pronged objects and kind of slowly takes you through this timeline. But uh, your favorite travel, English travel writer of the 17th century, Thomas Coriat, he adopted a fork when he went to Italy. And he's like, wow, like they use forks in Italy. So he brings it back home and he starts eating with a fork. Everybody looks at him as if he's just this pretentious jerk because he uses a fork when he eats. I don't know. It kind of made me think about our discussion today about reading and that, oh, oh, that person, he's too good for me. He has a book open, right? Is it possible we just get to a point where everybody looks at the reader as just a pretentious jerk? Or maybe they've always looked at readers as pretentious jerks. I think the latter is probably the case. Try to have a conversation with somebody about books or things like that, other than just what's happening in the sports section today or what's happening in the common world right now. The, the, the discussion about books falls flat almost always. Hey, did anybody really read and think about Freakonomics? And, uh, well, I know a lot of people read it. It was really sold a lot of copies. Even some of them were read. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. And by the way, if you made a YouTube video or a TikTok about your fork interest, you're in your learning on forks, you'd probably get a lot of hits and do really well. You can make a neat YouTube short about forks and the history of forks or cutlery and people would watch it because they do want to learn. They just don't want to dive into the book. It's just got too big an entry level. You, you might be right. And, and I do think that's uh, what we found, right? It's almost YouTube videos got too long. So now TikTok seems like it's the place to be. People want bits of information and they want it sifted down to the nuts and bolts. Of course, there's just there's nuance to the things that maybe people are are not wanting to get out of a story or out of information. But I guess, as you're saying, you're right, more and more people are learning in this medium. And it's interesting, because the article does go into what's happened to you and I or adults in general. And that our time span or attention span is even less than it is. And it's not like all of these adults are at home reading Moby Dick and stuff like that. Instead, the article just says, tech-addled adults are not immune to the curse of the shortened attention span. Unless I am deeply engaged in a subject, I no longer have the patience for those overly long New Yorker stories. That teetering pile of unread books on my nightstand could kill me in an earthquake. How did it get so tall? Because I used to read novels until I got sleepy. Now I snuggle with my iPhone. And Don, you and I have talked about this, but this is just so true. I've got 
a couple books right on my nightstand. I've got magazine articles that I'd like to read and that usually I'll get the phone out first because I always feel like it's just so non-committal. I can kind of get there, scroll, look at headlines, not really get engaged in anything. And yet a half hour has gone by. Well, and you're incredible in that you do most of your reading on the phone. For the articles we talk about, you're reading almost everything on the phone. I read the New Yorker on paper. I read the Wall Street Journal every day in paper. And in fact, I just I, I struggle to get into really deep things on my phone. So I, it, because the alerts pop up, because this thing pops up or that thing, or, oh, I wonder what the weather's going to be tomorrow. There's so many access points to distraction. I now turn off my phone before I lay down in bed and I pick up the book because I can't discipline myself otherwise to just stick with what is really going to be more interesting and fulfilling reading experience. But the phone is just so accessible. Yeah, you, I don't think that this is only an issue for kids. I think it's just an issue for people in general because you might be thinking like, oh, all right, well, oh, hey, what? I wonder what you're reading about a person. You're like, oh, I wonder how, if that person's married or not. And you can look it up and find out who they're married to, their kids. And like, it's just all that tangential information sucks you in. It's easily distracting. I love that you said that you still read a newspaper and you read a physical magazine. And in some ways that has its own sort of weight of, uh, you know, a pretension or where you're at as a reader, right? You actually read the physical thing. And in some ways, I mean, you just see fewer and fewer newspapers on people's driveways when you go out. In fact, most newspapers don't even deliver anymore. There are some kids that I'm sure don't even know what a newspaper is. When you think uh, just, you're right. I, a lot of people now just read online. And I guess in some ways, that's the part I always wish I could try to point to my kids is if I do have my phone out, it's because I'm usually reading, not playing some weird game or something like that. I want to be like, look, children, I'm reading on my phone. This is a device for reading, but I think they think I'm just playing some like space astronaut game or something like that. Because that's what they would do. Exactly. And that's the part that, of course, my wife and I are always so terrified, you know, is that, oh my God, they, they might find joy in a game on a screen. And there's just that, uh, you know, I guess divide between how, how old we've gotten. But it's interesting because I was thinking about how the phone in some ways has also changed not only my attention span towards reading, but like, I hardly ever watch movies anymore. My wife and I will be like, hey, like the kids are in bed, like, do you want to watch a movie? And it's like, ah, that just feels like too much of a commitment to sit down for two hours and have to follow a movie. And now like television shows are something that we can do. And then even like hour long television shows feel like too much of a commitment. What about a half hour show? Or what about just one of these stupid baking shows that we can just turn off in 10 minutes because it doesn't matter if we even finish the, the, the show. Like I've noticed that even my ability to, to want to watch, you know, screen entertainment has really changed. Well, yeah, and it's just a allotment of time and commitment in general and the ultimate other choices that you have at your fingertips. If you had 20 channels and they all ran commercials, then you wouldn't have very many other choices. You'd be like, Ugh, I might as well go read together because I, I don't want to watch Roadhouse for the 55th time <laughs> with commercials every seven minutes. It's uh, you, you just have more options. And so you're like, oh, we'll do this thing or that thing. And that's the other thing is where I think overall the quality of what we're spending our time doing is increasing because there are so many options and so many different services that you can take in content whether it be for 20 minutes or two hours. And just the way you described it, you have all these alternatives. And I think that's what's in general, the, my whole point here. There's so many other alternatives to, than just sitting down and reading a book. 
And we're good at reading a book on a cross-country road trip because we'll take turns reading and we'll go through an entire book because there's not much else and we get interested in the characters and we all talk about the characters. And that's the way we watch shows or movies now as a family. And we talk about it and we're interested and we have unique experiences that are together. And ultimately the video games and the YouTube channels are what is a unique bonding experience for kids now. They don't talk about what happened, what they saw on Sports Illustrated. They talk about what they saw on YouTube or what they, they happened in their game. And that's the common bonding experience. And if you don't participate that, you're in a bit ostracized from the community of people that are your age. And that's what my wife made me realize is that, look, wh what are they talking about? Listen to them. They're working together to do this thing and figure out this game and talking to their friends about how they figure out this game and work together. Don't you want them to work together and figure out how things work? Because that's ultimately what they're doing. And that is more valuable to them in current times than would be, why don't you just sit down with a Tom Clancy book? I thought those were fantastic. And you can talk to your friends about it. Wait, your friends won't talk to you about it. And it's a 600 page book and it's never going to happen. But wouldn't you rather come home and see your son with three of his friends, all with a copy of The Heart of Darkness and, you know, them debating what, you know, what Mr. Kurtz was doing and, hey, dad, like, we're just having a real close reading of this book together and we're going to break it down. We don't want to play video games. We want to read that. Wouldn't that make you so proud and, and pump up your chest to look at my intellectual kids? Because this also kind of reminds me a little bit of like classical music, right? Like, aren't we supposed to be listening to classical music? I never listen to it. I'm not like against it whenever i do hear it it's always sometimes usually pleasant but i always feel like i should be listening to more classical music like i should be reading more i guess right i would be shocked so much so i'd walk out of my house and check that i pulled into the right home if i saw that when i came in the door i i don't think that's likely or ever likely even when we did read our parents weren't coming home and saying what are you reading son Let's talk about it. They were trying to get dinner on the table, get things. If we were in our room reading or whatever, that's fine. They're leaving us alone. Like we can do our thing, have a drink while we make dinner. Like we're just trying to get by. Like it's, it's not going to happen. <laughs> yes. Classical music. I I've listened to a bit. I listen to music less and less now. I do listen to classical music a bit now because I use my AirPods, which have a noise canceling feature. So when my kids are playing video games with their friends and they have to yell while doing so, I can maintain my concentration while I read. Again, that's how I grew up and I developed my a way to do with the things to do with my time that give me relaxation and enjoyment. But it doesn't mean they have to. They do, grew up in an entirely different world. We grew up in a world where we were supposed to drink milk for every meal of the day because that was going to be calcium. We didn't realize how much sugar was in there. My parents pumped orange juice into my sister and I, a lot of sugar there. We now live in a world right now where for some reason we've decided you need to walk 10,000 steps a day, even though we really don't have any proof that it's, it's good or not. I mean, I remember in, in high school, we were expected to memorize the preamble of the constitution. Um, <laughs> You know, I mean, an apple a day keeps the doctor away. You know, again, there were classic books that, that seemed like we needed to be reading those things. And all of those things in some ways, I'm not saying are bad, but we had this idea that they really mattered. And I guess, do you put reading in there? I still am uncomfortable with this whole conversation. I still feel like it's important that we're reading all the time. 
but I, I guess I have to open my mind to, do you put reading right next to drink orange juice? I've read Gatsby twice. I've read Catcher in the Rye three times, enjoyed every reading of it, but they are still reading Gatsby at the high school level. And the kids are just not interested at all. And I remember saying to one kid, like, what, you're not interested in rich white people and the <laughs> time leading up to a depression and their problems. And, oh, yeah, why would you be? I, I don't know. I, it just doesn't engage them at all. The people that do read, and there are some that seem to be predominantly girls, are interested in fiction and the fiction stories that are engaging and about people that are of their age. And so, yes, they, I mean, perhaps there are reasons to read. There's a, certainly a reason to read with a, with a skill. I just don't think there's a reason for them to read with endurance. And I want to look back at one more paragraph from the article or the most interesting paragraph that I read in this. And that was from the author's perspective. She writes, I've been so worried about my niece's inversion to reading that I finally Googled successful people who don't read. There must have been so many wonderful accomplished souls who are book averse, right? Up popped a 2017 Business Insider story. High on the list of the names, Kanye West. Quote, unquote, I'm a proud non-reader of books, he told Reuters in 2009. I like to get information from doing stuff like actually talking to people and living real life. Quote, unquote. Surprising given that his mother was an English professor for more than 30 years. And I, the, I know Miss West is now deposited. Uh, past, but I thought, wow, here's somebody that seems to really get culture, seems to get people, definitely has a skill. I really enjoy listening to his music, although he's not the most balanced individual. But the point is that we're not alone here. Like people are all along, like, why don't you read? I enjoyed reading. Well, yeah. Do your kids enjoy everything you enjoyed, Zach? No, no, they don't. And, and that's okay. And I, I do wonder if part of this is uh, a topic of control right? Uh, is, it, is it something where you want to be able to have your kids appreciate the world in the way that you appreciate it, or at least see it in the way that you think society values it, right? Like, again, I mean, if you came home and your kids were reading The Heart of Darkness and listening to classical music, it seems like at least in that moment, all is right with the world, right? Your kid is heading somewhere. And yet, as you're saying, like, you're right, uh, there's, there's little to prove, I guess, with all of that stuff. Here's the experiment we could do, because we like to say we were reading all the time, but that wasn't necessarily the case. Very true. Let's put down a, uh, we could get out, find a 19 inch TV with like 240 dots per inch, and we'll put on a half hour wrestling show from the 1980s and with commercials, bad commercials that we had no interest in and set it up and say, watch this for half an hour. It was the greatest half hour of my week. <laughs> Would they love it? Uh probably not probably no, not. but that was like the highlight of your week like oh i can find out what happened this whole week in wwe mean gene let me know <laughs> like we had no alternatives that was all we had much like books they've they've got better alternatives no i mean if anything you know on that same television then put on the same reruns of saved by the bell and family ties or full house that I also watched over and over and over again because I was bored and didn't want to read and do anything else. <laughs> well, okay. So just kind of final question then. 
I wanted to kind of just ask you about like, okay, this essay as a whole, again, you seem to uh, have really, you know, reached a, a certain nirvana in your life about this because of this person's argument, even though I would still argue there seems to be little scientific research that they've cited in this thing. At the same time, I could see why this, this helps people feel better about maybe their kids not reading and stuff like that. But I kind of just wanted to ask you about like, do you think this is just one big cognitive dissonance? And like, remember like in the 80s or 90s, I felt like every other week there was a news headline about you can drink two bottles of wine and you can reduce your cancer. Or like the next week then was like, you can have beer and you're going to be healthier. And so like every time we did this, People were like, oh, well, then I need to consume a lot of this. Or now you need to have blueberries so that you can have a better digestive tract. And like, we always find these weird, like micro studies that maybe don't actually add up, but then they make people feel better about the things they're doing. And maybe sometimes like drinking too much alcohol is not a good thing. <laughs> Do you think it's possible that an article like this just makes people feel better about something that they really should just be doing, which is they should be reading? Yes, absolutely. I am not, there's no tremendous research in this article. There's nothing here that is really changing the earth. It is what it is. It's giving me a perspective on the situation and making me think. It's more than what I took away from the article than the article itself in conversation with my wife that, no, I do not need to feel awful. The, these kids aren't reading. We were told when we were young parents that if they read a lot as their newborns, as their one and two-year-olds, that they're going to become literate, erudite students who will be impressive. And that's what we were trying to do. It, they, they don't enjoy reading. And it's not because of anything we did. It's just that the world is different. And we can just realize that that is the case and that they're not going to sit around and just re devour old fiction books or nonfiction books. And that's okay. And that's mostly it. Fair enough. I mean, obviously the hardest thing to do is to get somebody to like something that they don't like. <laughs> and uh, I guess and the that more you be... want them to like it. And that's part of this is just, they're <laughs> fighting with kids to read like, well, you can't have any iPad time. I have a friend that doesn't let his kid um, have screen time unless he runs every day. Like, well, okay. I don't think that makes him love running, but it's, if it, it, we could do the same thing with reading, like you got to read in order to earn your time on screens. Like, well, okay, that's probably not going to be a fulfilling or create a love of reading. It's just going to make them dislike it. So it's the fighting with them. If they don't take to it and you've given them a million opportunities to do so, what is going to make them like it? That's a really good point. I mean, as a kid, my parents, I think, used to look at me and, and probably say, oh, my God, he can't read or he doesn't read a lot or they had the same sorts of fears that we did. And I would say that it was sometime in high school that it just sort of dawned on me that I really enjoyed reading for pleasure, you know, and I started enjoying reading novels by certain authors. And even to this day, I, I still do enjoy reading. But I also figured that out on my own, I guess, right? And through my own choice and selection of things to read. And even to this day, I still read when I'm curious about a topic or I find a really interesting article. And uh, maybe in some ways, you got to let the kids kind of uh, discover these things on their own. Well, if you put the opportunities about out there and let them uh, see what is out there, they can pick up and go with it, but you can't make them. I mean, half the books I, my dad suggested I read, I didn't read the ones that I read were the ones I just picked up that he had read and were just sitting around the house. And I thought, Oh, that looks interesting. 
I'm sure that he he left behind that copy of The Dirt by Motley Crue. No, he did not leave. That that would be, that's what we should teach in English class, that you'd only need a paragraph or so, and kids would be like, I want to read this. There's terrible things happening. My God, is there a video? Can I watch the video? Uh, Well, Don, uh, I guess we'll have to see who uh, starts reading and who doesn't continue to read, and uh, we'll see, I guess, how this all affects our future and stuff like that. And uh, I guess it's a brave new world, regardless of uh, what people choose. And they're not reading Brave New World either. They should, though. That's a tremendous book, but that's another day. (laughs) Uh, Well, Don, it's been a pleasure talking to you this week. I look forward to talking with you next week. All right. It was a joy. See you, Zach. Take care.